Hey, how goes it? Ken Bozak from TheBitcoinPodcast.com here to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. And today I'll be speaking on these subjects with Marcello, host number one of The Bitcoin Podcast, the network's main show. So thank you for joining me for Not Another Bitcoin Podcast on the BitcoinPodcast.com network. Again, today I'll be speaking with Marcello. He is the main host of the main show on the network. Today we'll be speaking about the common misconceptions in Bitcoin, some of the things people come into the space thinking, or uh, some of the traditional mindsets of investors in stocks bring with them into investing in crypto. This is a complete Alice in Wonderland difference from traditional stocks. You know, we have the ICOs, not IPOs. Um, we have send only. You can't really pull. Uh, I, I like the differences. I also think that it's really interesting some of the misconceptions that people have. Like, um, I believe one of the things that we forgot to touch on this was <clears throat> when a Bitcoin uh, halvening happens, it's not like a stock split. That's another misconception. Uh, people seem to think when a uh, halving occurs, like the previous Bitcoin halvening, people thought they were going to get two Bitcoin for every one because that's what happens in the stock market. When a stock splits, you end up holding two shares for every one. So it is pretty funny that that's some of the mentality people bring into this space with them. And I thought it would be a good idea to get Marcello on. So we can go ahead and cue that intro music, get into the show. I really hope you guys enjoy this because we tried to cover pretty much every bitcoin misconception we could think of so if you have any newbies any on-rampers any pabs that you want you know to maybe get through their misconceptions this episode's for them i hope you enjoyed it thank you and have a day early 2011 it piqued my interest well my name is craig grimes and i first encountered bitcoin when it was three dollars my name is cody spearing um i'm currently involved in ethereum mining What's up, though, man? What's up? How goes it, Kim Bozic? <laughs> How goes it, Trevon James? When I first saw your video, I felt so like, damn, my shit looks terrible. Like, yo, <laughs> yo this guy, this guy's great. He's going places. My name's Ryan Strauss. I'm a Bitcoin evangelist. I first like found out about Bitcoin in 2012 and pretty much becomes your entire life once you really uh, get into it there. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Brandon Rosano. I, uh... I'm new to Philadelphia and this East Coast side of things. I'm Luciano. Luciano Valdez. Well, funny story about that is, uh, I think it was host number two, Dimitri, that reached out to you initially, and then he was telling me about silly stoner Ken and how he's like passionate about Bitcoin. And I was like, man, this dude, I don't know about this guy. Hey, how goes it? This is, uh... Marcello of KenBozak.com selling Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories like these camo hats. And uh, me and Ken were definitely having a day, wouldn't you say? Yes, I'm having a day. Um, I saw that it, the Ethereum Network's also having a day. About, They're having a day. <laughs> yeah, bad day. <laughs> About a couple hundred thousand Ethereum were stolen due to a uh, 
what, what was the exact terminology for that? It's not a glitch. It's a uh, exploit. Yes, an exploit in the multi-sig wallet uh, pillar or yeah, uh, parallel. What was it? Parity. Parity wallet. The multi-sig parity wallet was uh, exploited, and uh, companies or groups, blockchain projects like um, a Swarm City lost all their Ethereum. They just woke up today and it was all gone. Yeah, isn't CoinDash just an appropriate name? Dashing with your coins. We're out. 5.5 mil. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Uh, I, I Personally, I think this could affect the Ethereum price again because just like uh, the last scandal with all the fake Ether wallet or MyEtherWallet.com uh, hot links that were taking people to fake MyEtherWallets, that was a lot of Ethereum that was stolen. I don't think it was quite this much, and uh, this is a lot. So when this dumps, when this, when these hackers dump their Ether for probably Bitcoin or, you know, cash out because they don't care about crypto, uh, this could affect the overall market value of Ethereum for a while. So if if the market, you know, does as we know it does and history repeats itself as it normally does, uh, the Ethereum value is probably going to come down a little bit. So maybe a buying opportunity in the future. Might be a buying opportunity, and um, you know the the coin dash stuff. There's always a learning experience, you know. And the most for me, the most clear issue is that it, when it happened, it just it didn't give the op, the community time to review the contracts, verified source code, and they couldn't make sure that there wasn't a security hole prior to the sale. And these are things that people need to be careful of. This is a huge security issue, and 5.5 million dollars is a lot, a lot of scratch, man. So, me and Corey always say, whenever something like this happens, look at the silver lining, man. It's always a learning experience. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, if they didn't have this problem, they wouldn't have thought of a solution. So, now that we have a problem, we'll get a solution, and that will make the blockchain even stronger. So, um, again, most likely a buying opportunity. Like you said, everything uh, that happens uh, usually has progress after it. So, uh, if that does work out, we're going to be all right. I, I like when stuff like this happens because I'm long-term. So as a long-term investor, I'm kind of cynical and I'm like, oh man, this is great. I mean, it sucks people get screwed, but I know that the market's going to you know, come down a little bit and it's it's only it's only fake news. You're not fake news, but like a fake price drop. It's it's momentary. So knowing that, it's like makes me feel like a bad person, but I know a good investment when it hits me. I feel you on that. Yeah, but it's good news for uh, you know if you're if you're shorting Ethereum. Yeah, exactly. If you're a trader, uh, <laughs> you're gonna make uh, you're gonna make out pretty well on this. What do you think about that news coming from Coinbase? All right, so they sent out like a mass email today saying, "Well, you know, I had Corey explain it to me." By the way, I'm from the Bitcoin podcast. If y'all don't know, so and Corey's one of my co-hosts, and he's basically I was freaking out because I got you know I got crypto on my personal account. I'm wondering should I leave it there? Is it going to be gone? And basically, if you leave your Bitcoin in Coinbase and the UASF happens on August 1st, Coinbase will not give you access to these coins. You're gonna keep the legacy Bitcoin, and if these coins grow in value, you will not have them. So I got this email from Coinbase. It was as clear as mud. I didn't really know how to interpret it. And uh, basically, Coinbase said, if you want access to your Bitcoin Cash, you need to withdraw your Bitcoin from Coinbase by July 
the 31st. And I don't know if any other exchanges have said that they're going to support it. So the only thing I know what to do is to withdraw all your money and put it in a very secure wallet offline. Because um, Coinbase does not want to support Bitcoin Cash. And they're asking, they're, they're being transparent. They're asking their customers to withdraw their Bitcoins uh, if you want to ensure access to your funds on the fork chain. So, you know, there's one side of it where it's very good of them to at least warn their customers. But the other half of it is, I, I don't know what to do, man. Should have got your hardware wallet. <laughs> Should have got that wallet. And here's the thing: like, I can't get my Ledger Blue until September. I you know. know. What I mean? And I was like, I was waiting for that. A paper wallet is uh, just as handy in this, uh, in, for you know, at least the next month, a couple of weeks. You know, put it on a paper wallet and uh, stash it somewhere safe, man. Make sure it's uh, encrypted with a uh, passphrase, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can't help but think, like, is this a smart way to go about it, to treat your customers? Like, what's their angle, you know? With, well, with, maybe with, they're going to be doing... losing out on business. If everyone removes their business, you know, which I'm sure there's going to be other exchanges that are going to step up and, and gladly take. So it just doesn't make logical sense to me, you know. The logical way would be saying, hey, we're Coinbase and we support all chains or all surviving chains or something similar and it's like they learn they learn nothing from ethereum at all and they're picking sides politically instead of you know being in exchange that's that's how i view coinbase well exactly coinbase still doesn't have ethereum classic on there there's still no way to split your ethereum that you were holding on coinbase if it if it was there during the time of the fork that could become split into ether ethereum classic that that tool is still not there they still don't support it so I never assumed that they were going to support anything that was going to happen. I imagine Coinbase is probably not going to sell any Bitcoin for the next week after this because they're not going to know what to do. They don't have the support. They don't have, I don't think they have the, the, the developer support behind them to, you know, just be up to date and on par with everything that's happening. So I think them, them being clear and saying, hey, get your stuff off of our exchange, get your stuff off the wallet. Uh, that's them doing what they have to do legally because some people aren't going to see that email. Some people, you know how many people I know right now that have Coinbase accounts and have Bitcoin and don't know what's happening? They don't understand what's coming up. They don't care what's coming up. Um, so I think this is just a legal, a legal uh, you know, leg to stand on for Coinbase. So when all these people that are a little ignorant to what's happening uh, lose a lot of value in this on Coinbase's lack of developer support, they can always fall back on the, hey, we sent you an email, you said in the terms and agreement, blah, blah, blah. So I, I think, you know, this is just their legal, you know, scapegoat for not even at all being willing to put the money into uh, deciding what to do. They're just going to wait, see what happens, and then they're going to throw their money at the winning party. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me shout out uh, the 21 Million Club. He was in our Slack. What's up? And then Jeff, uh, who's absolutely right. You gotta, you gotta get a hardware wallet. And I, I want to say, Ken, what percentage of Bitcoiners do you think are just like investing in Bitcoin and aren't following the chatter, aren't on Reddit, aren't on, don't listen to podcasts, that aren't gonna get that email? Do you think like a large 
because you know we're all about mass adoption. Yes, we're no, kind of- I do. I think it's going to be very large. Um, I think I. You have no idea. I don't think we talked about this, but when I did the uh, mobile go ICO for game credits, my email, my inbox, my DMs, I was being messaged every social outlet there was. Uh, I probably got like 500 different requests uh, where people didn't know how to do the ICO and they sent their funds to an exchange wallet. So uh, basically mobile go said provide a waves address or an Ethereum address, but it had to be a waves wallet or a my ether wallet or a mist or something like that, but it could not be an exchange wallet. And these people put a lot of money into this ICO. We're talking like some people lost 10,000, maybe more, a little bit less, but in that ballpark, a lot of money and they didn't care to read the email that said, do not send us an exchange address, make sure you send us a wallet address, and that's it, their tokens are gone, lost in the ether, uh, no pun intended. So I think a lot of people are gonna be ignorant to this because they're just, you know, the whole uh, shut up and take my money, uh, FOMO has hit real hard in 2016. Uh, what, Coinbase said they got at one month, uh, 40,000 subscribers or new members or new wallets that could have filled or overflooded a baseball stadium. And then the sure. following month, they said they had 1 million new wallets active. Um, so yeah, dude, I have, a, I have a suspicion a lot of people are going to be ignorant to this and they're going to wake up very angry at crypto as a whole. I mean, is it Coinbase's fault? I mean, this is your money, man. Why, why do people not, you know, you go to work every day some of you have jobs you hate and then you invest in crypto and like that's it like it's it's your money you know what i mean yeah no uh, some people just want well imagine uh these people are probably meant men- the mentality of like you know traditional investors so you know forex td ameritrade uh whatever exchange you're using to do the traditional gold and silver you know they they're insured they're going to be taking care of you these people have full confidence in those places and um they know they can just leave stuff there and if there's a split or if there's a reverse split or if uh something's divided or whatever takes place with the stock they're gonna have all that work done for them by the exchange and i think they bring that mentality with them into this wherever i have my money especially if that's where i bought it they should be liable and and you know feel responsible for making sure it's safe but like you said, this is Coinbase stepping back from taking responsibility and pretty much saying like, yo, do your own work. This is on you. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if Coinbase has like a two-way replay protection. But um, yeah, you should check that, you know, whatever exchange you're in is able to implement it. But so, you know, here's, here's my, my final thought and here's what I'm going to do after like researching everything today. You know, I'm... What I'm going to do is if the BIP91 thing doesn't gain approval shortly, download an app like Jax and to the degree possible, move all of your Bitcoin off the exchanges and onto a wallet and then wait it out. I assume so long as uh, the iPhone is backed up, your private keys are also backed up. Uh, That's my assumption. No, it is. It is. But I wouldn't recommend Jax for this. I would definitely recommend a paper wallet over Jax. Or bread wallet or yeah, um, bread wallet. Uh, yeah, bread wallet. Yeah, it lets you choose your node and everything. You can take your private keys, like individual private keys. Right. So, um, you know, a, a white hat group has drained every vulnerable wallet 
and that's the way I'm looking at it now. So, um, you, you know, if you talk to any developer in the space, they're just going to shrug and say, hey, these kind of things happen. And the difference here is the potential gravity of damages. Uh, nothing is truly trustless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can't be a big enthusiast. You can't invest in the space without like doing some due diligence, man, doing some research. And that's why these shows are here. That's why you go live every day, you know, just, it, it's, it's just the way the space is in its infancy. You know what I mean? That's why I like it. I, I like that. It's not simple to get into Bitcoin. I like that. It's still kind of semi difficult. Like everybody wants the on ramp to be easier. Everybody wants the, the, uh, they just want it to be easy to get into, for people to just use it, buy it, spend it, hold it, you know. But I, we see that that, is, that leads to a scaling issue. So right now, if it was any easier to get into this, we'd just be over flooding the network with uh, buying coffee and spending a dollar on the fee just because it's cool and, you know, steampunky hipsterish of us. I like that it's difficult. I like that there's a little bit of a delay. That way people can't just uh, FOMO full on. Uh, I think Coinbase gives you like a $1,000 a week limit until you work your way up. And I think that's awesome. Or $1,000 a day for a week or whatever. But I think that it's great that you can't just throw $10,000 into Bitcoin easily. Um, especially if you just found out what Bitcoin is. You know, that's the first thing that people message me. Like, I want to buy $10,000 worth of some cryptocurrency. Uh, and Coinbase won't let me do this, or you know, hard, like, how do I do this? I don't know anything about Bitcoin. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're talking about $10,000 and you don't know anything about Bitcoin. Like, I'm so happy there's these roadblocks in your way to help you not lose money. Yeah, because they're, they're thinking, you know, hey, with fiat, there isn't this complicated shit. And then, you know, I was talking to my other co host, and he said, well, all the complicated shit with fiat, it's there. It's just, you know, they keep it out of sight of people and drain the cost of maintaining it out of your life savings. So your options are, hey, you can either remain ignorant and comfy, or you can go ahead and make a new system. And that's kind of where we are. Some call it growing pains, I guess. Yeah, boy, Osiris said, um, I meant cyberpunk, not steampunk. Yeah, I, that's, that's what I meant. Cypher. Cypher, cypherpunk, cyberpunk, whatever. You know what I meant. I, I said steampunk whatever <laughs> but um let's get on to the main topic of the night man because i know you probably get some of these misconceptions from your friends family or you know i mean you're kind of a personality in this space i, I know what it's like to get messages um so i would like to start off with um the whole you have to buy a whole bitcoin that misconception where people come at you and they're like i want to get into bitcoin but i don't have you know two thousand and three hundred dollars so i i really don't know if i can get into it like what are some of the things you like how do you break that down when somebody comes at you with that mentality like a traditional stock market where you have to buy a whole share at a time um well back when i got the bitcoin it was like 300 200 a coin so i would always you know back then but now it's just like no the, the beauty of it is is you can buy ten dollars twenty and in fact if you're new to bitcoin Dollar cost averaging is your best opinion. In fact, I'm a big proponent of it, and that's how I invest. And I've been buying, you know, I've been buying ten to twenty dollars a day, you know. And when I tell people that, they're like, "Well, is it better to do ten dollars a day? Is it better to do a hundred dollars a day? Is it better to do seven hundred a week? Is it better to do 
3000 a month and you know there's fluctuations on a daily basis and it can't be massive because it's so volatile so from i always tell people you know it depends on how long you plan to buy how rational you are uh if you plan to buy longer term um i.e you know several years like me i'm holding you know price wise it's probably not going to matter whether you buy daily weekly or even monthly you know you can get into bitcoin with just you know ten dollars five dollars and if you plan to stop in the near future or a few weeks from now hey you can buy as frequent as you want and it's probably a good idea to re- reduce the probability of bad luck like buying at a bad time uh much more often than a good time so personally i've automated it so that i always buy the small sensible usd amount and then i adjust the time between buys such that I reach my monthly goals. And as a long-term buyer, I could just as easily buy every week or even monthly, but I've learned that I'm unable to stomach several weeks or even months of bad luck. So I always just, I throw a little bit in there and the smallest amount that's uh, larger than the minimal trade value of the exchange where the percentage fees are the same as if buying once a month. And if your dollar cost averaging, because you don't know if the price is gonna go up or down, and you know we don't have crystal balls. If you knew the price was going up, Obviously, you would buy on larger chunks. That would make sense. But I always tell people to stick with your plan of daily purchases. You can't go wrong. No, you're right. That's what I do. I do weekly purchases, and I do them automatically through Coinbase. So they have the reoccurring purchase. It just happens automatically. It does all the work for me. And uh, I take my paycheck because I get paid weekly and just split it automatically. One-third Bitcoin, one-third Litecoin, one-third Ethereum. And I think, well, not one-third, actually, a quarter, 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 because I keep a quarter of cash out of my paycheck. And at the end of the month or whenever, uh, if one of the cryptocurrencies that I'm holding goes down more than 10 to 20% for the month or weekly average, I'll probably end up using all the cash I had on reserve and jump in for a larger purchase. Anything under 10%, uh, 20% really gets me to just throw my money at things. Because, like, again, I'm long-term on this, and I use it. I use it like regular money. I have a debit card. I use my BitPay. I use my shape, my shift payments. Like I ditch fiat the moment I get it, and I use crypto. I just everyone's like, but isn't it down this week? And I'm like, yeah, but I got in like three months ago, so I'm still up on average. Uh, so shout out to Jack Tater, who was at one of my Bitcoin meetups and was a guest on the Bitcoin podcast, who really, you know, made me understand the whole mentality behind the dollar cost averaging and the long-term mentality of uh, doing it that way. Things, man. He's coming out with a new book, and he's in Ireland right now. I know. He's living it up, man. I saw him. Yeah, he's uh, living it up. (laughs) I'm like, hey, man, you want to come on our show? He's like, man, I'm in Ireland. Like, (laughs) where are you? Um, Yeah, I saw him when he was at his raincoat. Here's another big misconception, (laughs) Ken. If you think that when someone hoards Bitcoin, they're just lying around, I think that's inaccurate. They're actively serving a purpose as a store of value you know so let me ask you this you know how often have you heard so, something similar to to what i'm about to say coins it does nothing for the economy it just drives the price up because they're more scarce how many times have you heard that say that one more time it broke up when people hoard bitcoins it does nothing for the economy it just drives the price up because they're more scarce but if that's the if if the economy can profit from people using it as a storage of value then it does prosper if that's its use case so i mean yeah I, i've heard that a lot but it, it doesn't doesn't make sense to me i mean 
I, I like the idea of Bitcoin being the long-term storage of value and maybe for like large chunks of uh, uh, value uh, transfer. But I, I also like the idea of uh, Litecoin being the daily uh, currency that you would cash your long-term holdings that's Bitcoin into. Yeah, because I mean, what you're saying then is, is well, you know, hey, right now I want Bitcoin or Litecoin because at the moment they're more useful to me than any goods or services. And while I'd rather have this good services than Bitcoin, those are the two sides of it. Well, at the moment I value this other thing more than I value Bitcoins. So if you notice what's kind of happening there, when people spend Bitcoins, there's a shift in their value preference scale. Down goes the value of Bitcoin and up goes the value of whatever they're buying. So the, for the person involved, you know, this is good because then, you know, we know that after this voluntary exchange, they're going to be better off. And hey, great for Bitcoin. However, it means that they have just lost a tiny bit of value. So supply and demand is nothing else but a representation of people's shifts and their changes and their value preference scale. And that's, that's for me, what is really affects the price up and down. Well, besides the price, let's talk about another misconception about uh, Bitcoin, where when I first got into it, and I'm sure when you first heard about it too, one of the biggest uh, you know, key factors, one of the most promoted features of Bitcoin was that it's no fee. There's no fee. Uh, you can send money for free. But when you get into Bitcoin, you learn that there's a lot of fees. You got to pay a fee to buy it. You have to pay a fee to send it. Uh, sometimes you even pay a fee to receive it. Uh, so um, how do you explain to people that just get into crypto and they're like, dude, I thought there was no fees. And now all we're talking about are how there's Bitcoin fees. Well, you know, I guess it depends. Like, you know, if you let's say today I pay my rent, you know, one input, two outputs, it's only going to cost me 55 cents and it's going to be confirmed within minutes. And I always use Treasure's high fee option and I never had any issue sending Bitcoin even during like huge, huge backlog times. But, you know, there's going to be people complaining uh, about Coinbase, how their, their transactions take forever and how fees are getting high. But I mean, it, compared to fiat, it's still great. You know, I just, I don't go around like, you know, telling telling people like, hey, there's barely any fees and it's super practical and everything. I, I like to be realistic. So, you know, it's a good way for me to receive small payments between five and twenty five dollars. But also it's a good way to, you know, pay your rent, pay your, your car payment. Yeah, uh, for me, I like to think that we are all uh, spoiled, rotten Americans. <laughs> like, like we don't really oh, yeah. think of the use case that Bitcoin actually provides. So, like that fee doesn't mean anything because the other op alternative option is the fee is so much higher it's practically no fee when you're comparing it to the fee that Bitcoin has for that use case for example if you're a taxi driver in New York City and you want to send money to your family in another country uh, using Western Union that could take a lot of money off the top just to send it and now you got to convert it into the local currency because you're sending USD and they might use euro, ruble, who knows. Uh, so that's another fee. Uh, so, I mean, all that added up together, I think sometimes you hear upwards of like 30% for cross-country, uh, uh, cross-fiat like or cross-currency uh, transaction using Western Union. Uh, and it takes days. I mean, it could take forever for it to clear. And then people need identification. So if you have family in another country, 
uh, and you wanted to use Western Union, they have to have an ID. Uh, they have to, you know, be able to pr provide identification. Some people don't have the luxury of affording an ID. Um, some people just want it to go right to their phone so they can take it and spend it. And that's what Bitcoin does. It, it, if you want to send value from New York to anywhere in the world, uh, you can do that instantly. They don't have to prove who they are. They get an email practically. It's of worth value. And then they can take that and do as they will locally. Uh, I think that the the value of Bitcoin is too, uh, too highlighted. And the use case of Bitcoin isn't highlighted enough. I agree. I agree. Um, and it still remains a, a huge misconception. Yeah, people think that the price is the only use Bitcoin has. So if Bitcoin's not up, it has no use case. It's like, yeah, Bitcoin's useless. It's dead. It's not worth a million dollars yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some fee pressure or competition for block space is acceptable or or even a good thing. It keeps low value transactions out and then it's also going to make flooding attacks more expensive. You know, here's another uh, common misconception that kind of falls into all this, uh, the use case side. Uh, people that I talk to about Bitcoin that don't know about it a lot, they just heard about it, they were interested, but something that I think kept them from getting more into it because it's it honestly is the first thing that people kind of run into when they type in Bitcoin on the internet, really. That it's uh, it's only used for the dark market. It's only used for illegal transfers of value. Bitcoin is only drug money. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of how people get their first view of, of Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency and as a money. Uh, so, you know, what, what do you tell people when they come into the come into the industry with that mentality where you're like, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? And they're like, yeah, but, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble because, you know, it's it's drug money. It's it's something you only do if you want to buy a kidney on the dark web. I mean, it's it's no secret. That's kind of how it started out. But I mean, people that are still focusing on that, they're just they're not keeping up with the relative news. Um, American Express and Wells Fargo, they have scandals every day. I mean, like, that's just part of the space. And Many people are critical of, you know, libertarians in the space. We've known for a long time that the elites are running a massive scam and um, a conspiracy. And it's just—it's frustrating to see people like, uh, you know, Roger Ver and other people like accusing Bitcoiners of being, you know, not pure. And you know, we—we've grown as a society. We've grown as a community, and we're trying to sh kind of shed that past. So you know, if I'm if I'm on ramping people, like I on ramp my mom, and that was the first thing she said. And so wrote Mount Gox and all that. Yeah, we're going to be better for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now, because of the Alpha Bay uh, market being um, shut down and the the owner and operator uh, committing suicide in the Thailand prison, uh, that's just another you know big story that everybody that I've talk to this week is like that's all they've heard they don't know they don't know about the potential happening or, or the uh, potential split the potential softer hard fork they don't know anything about this but they do know that the alpha bay site was shut down and the guy killed himself so i mean like it's you know the bad news that really highlights uh the media and really gets people's attention and i think you know the whole using cryptocurrencies to 
to buy drugs and do illegal activities is just one thing that you know governments suppress when it comes to transfer of value. Uh, something that's not so dark lighted or, or evil mindset it is uh, if you wanted to buy a movie uh, from a you know Korean uh, movie company they made a great movie in North Korea or South Korea and you wanted to buy the movie you wanted to pay for the movie you want to watch the movie but their government doesn't let that transaction take place they don't want us to buy from them and we don't want to uh, you know what about you know back in the past with Cuba we don't want to do trade so if you wanted to do a purchase peer-to-peer -peer, or uh, say somebody even the case could be they they painted you a mural and it was a digital file you wanted to pay for the digital mural and you can't send PayPal because the countries the governments don't allow the communication of money transfer you know Bitcoin steps in and says look these are just people you can't tell them what to do with their money and they and then Bitcoin allows us to transfer our value your goods and services across borders and I can send my my value my my money across borders and it doesn't need any government's permission the whole mentality that it's for drugs and 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 illegal activities that are only malicious is such a small mindset when there's governments out there that are just evil and suppressing their own people from from growing into a better society because it would only cause the government to fail eventually you know like uh, government suppress their people so the people don't don't overthrow this suppressive government yeah I mean people have been unjustly prosecuted or imprisoned and, and murdered on the, the war on drugs you know it's it's not a war on drugs it's it's in fact a war on our people our minorities and it has been and continues to be a war Unconscience, free thought, and our own autonomy as free individuals. You know, this past week, you know, did you support net neutrality? Did you believe that people should be able to think critically about important issues without their worldview being dictated by whatever corporate entity owns the medium of communication? You know, do you support the ideals inherent in the Bitcoin protocol? Should centralized actors control and dictate your economic reality? It's a lot of questions, man, and it's very important. And you know, before you spend a dime on Bitcoin, these are the type of questions you need to ask, you know? You know what's an important question and uh, another, you know, common misconception is that the IRS says that Bitcoin's illegal. Or if you end up holding Bitcoin, the IRS will come get you. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to go about explaining to people. Um, so I'll ask you, but this is like my spiel. The IRS has no clue what to do when it comes to Bitcoin. So I don't expect me to know what to do if they don't know what to do. If I can't go to the IRS, email them and be like, yo, bro, what are some of the steps I can do? They're going to, I don't know. We didn't get there yet. So in my, what I'm telling people is I don't know. No one knows, you know, let the IRS worry about it. But a lot of people think that the IRS has deemed this illegal and that if you hold it, you're going to go to prison. So uh, if you could kindly talk some people off a ledge, um, please. <laughs> Yeah, this was a good segue because this is yet another corrupt government institution attempting to introduce volatility into Bitcoin. All right, they're they're never going to tell you what the words money or currency or sell mean. They're very vague on that. And did you know that when the FBI offered and seized Silk Road bitcoins, they put a specific disclaimer on their ad that it was not an offer to sell. So what does that mean? You know, already uh, idiots spreading the idea that you need a license for your business, and the Supreme Court has repeatedly found 
that only acts that would otherwise be crimes can be licensed or taxed by government. Everything else is just freedom. So the, the overall idea that I'm trying to say is don't worry about it because trading Bitcoin, it's not a crime. Acquiring it isn't a crime. Selling it's not a crime. Money printing is the crime that Bitcoin was built to end. Since none of the sausage pizza people and the things, they're not going to do that. And speaking of taxes, you might know, you might notice that the, the wealthy island of Puerto Rico, where the IRS is incorporated and where everyone gets universal health care, which is so great, they just declared bankruptcy under a brand new law passed specifically for its benefit. So as for the U.S. government, they only have jurisdiction over interstate commerce. That's it. Not Bitcoin. Everything else is just fodder designed to convince you to volunteer to let them in and scare you. So here I am trying to talk you off the ledge. The best policy is simply to ignore them. You know, don't recognize them. Um, you know, we should, you should be familiar with the history of the hoax Federal Reserve and how these people have infiltrated and paid off all levels of U.S. government over the past hundred years. I mean, this is, Bitcoin was built to end this. You know, you're, you're free to go about your business. Yeah, that's another common misconception. Everyone has the idea that the Federal Reserve is a government entity and uh, all the and that there's an actual physical reserve that can back the uh, you know the fiat dollar value. That's a whole different rabbit hole. But um, yeah, I highly recommend everybody watch the movie uh, Bitcoin: The End of Money as we know it. Uh, I'll actually be streaming that live while doing some sort of uh, commentary sometime in the future of that video, but it does cover some interesting facts. Uh, another thing that we could segue into since Bitcoin is at now $2,311, what's that, a $500 increase in like a day or two? It was yeah, down to 1800 uh, right? I can't even follow it. Yeah, dude, it's happened so fast, but here's a common misconception. Bitcoin died. Isn't Bitcoin dead? Didn't Bitcoin die? <laughs> Isn't Bitcoin dying? Um, when people come to me and they have that, like, uh, oh, yeah, I heard about Bitcoin back in uh, 2014. I heard it died. Uh, yeah, or it's dying, right? Uh, isn't it dead? The first thing I can that comes to mind is just to, like, I, I don't even know where to go with it. Like, I, how did you hear about this death? Um, how, how did it die? And uh, some, most of the time you hear people refer to the, they don't know they're referring to Mt. Gox. But they do refer to Mt. Gox. You know, they're like, yeah, it wasn't Bitcoin, which is, you know, two two common misconceptions in one uh, here. Uh, wasn't Bitcoin hacked? Isn't it dead? Uh, wasn't the exchange that makes and builds and designed Bitcoin, wasn't that attacked and hacked and a lot of people lost money? Uh, so I try to tell people, you know, Bitcoin wasn't hacked. Uh, it didn't die. The use case is always going to have its use case. Uh, the value may have went down. It may have died as as a financial thing, uh, you know, as an investment for the time period. But as a use case, Bitcoin has never died. Um, and as a matter of fact, right now, what we're in this whole Bitcoin drama is how we're going to solve the fact that Bitcoin will never die. You know, the next step in in, in securing the fact that Bitcoin will keep going. So what do you tell people when they come to you saying like Bitcoin died and uh, Bitcoin was hacked? Wasn't it? Wasn't it killed off? I just tell them Bitcoin's like Kenny from South Park. It's it's died a hundred times, two hundred times. <laughs> yes, 
Yes, Bitcoin is like Kenny from South Park. Yo, somebody please Photoshop a, a Bitcoin B face on Kenny and just tag me on Twitter. <laughs> That's perfect, I mean, dude. I mean, I can't give you a long-winded answer on that. It's just how it is. No, you're right. I'm just about to move on to the next one here. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think that was perfectly said. Uh, what do you think about when people say, if the price goes down, you'll lose Bitcoin? I, I can't, I, I don't know the mentality behind it because when I got into Bitcoin, I, I understood with like what I feel is common sense, but I don't want to sound like arrogant or, or come off like cocky, but people seem to think if you buy one whole Bitcoin and the value goes down, you end up with less Bitcoin somehow. So like, is there any way that you could try to explain that to people or have you found like have you found a secret sauce for explaining that? Because for me, I just don't understand it. I don't know how to how to describe an answer for a question I don't get. Uh, well, ideally, you want to buy low and sell high. Um, but I mean, again, there's no crystal ball. So back to my back to like I think what we talked about like 20 minutes ago, dollar cost averaging, man. Because you take a lot of the emotion and the fear out of investing. Um, you know, if, if you if I buy Bitcoin at twenty three hundred and you wake up tomorrow and it's seventeen hundred, who cares, man? I'm holding to like two thousand thirty. You know, I'm I'm focused on a long term strategy. And if you dollar cost average, you're gonna be less concerned with the immediate ups and downs. Who cares about the immediate ups and downs? As long as you stick to a regular investment plan, I guarantee you Mick uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, John McAfee? Uh, yeah, he said he was gonna like suck his dick on stage if it's not, you know, half a million dollars. These people are so uh, uh, confident that we're going to go to the moon. Uh, I mean, just buy what it, buy whatever, man, and, and just stick to a regular investment plan. I you know think, what I'm saying? I think John McAfee is probably the most interesting man alive. Um, he said that he would, first off, he said he would eat his own dick on live television if Bitcoin doesn't go to half a million dollars each within a three-year period. And I, I don't know how he invests, but I mean, this this strategy makes the most sense when it's used over a long period of time. Because look, look at all these rich MFers, man, that have so much faith in the price going to the moon. So I mean, this is a strategy that is better suited for people with a lower risk tolerance, like myself. I don't want to freak out by how much money I lost or gained because I I know that in a couple years we're all going to buy Corvettes and everything. So. For me, Bitcoin is the perfect asset to try dollar cost averaging. So try it out. Just buy five bucks a day, ten bucks a day, and I guarantee you, it's a it's no investment strategy is foolproof, but it's it's the safest route. That's all I can say. Yeah, I'm with you. That's exactly how I do it, and uh, that's what I tell people when they ask me. They're like, "What do you recommend?" And again, I don't I don't even like that question. What do you recommend, or what do you think I should do? All, my answer for all that is this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it, this is why I'm doing it, and then you can take that and do what you want with it. Um, I wanted to get to the last common misconception, which is another like twofer, where people think Bitcoin is fake money and uh, it's not backed by anything. It has no value. Uh, first off, money is fake. Anything that you call money is fake money. Uh, if you take US dollar over to China, 
and go to you know certain places i guess they'll probably accept it usd's you know net over everywhere but if you're from china and you have your you know yuan or if you're from japan and you have your yen and you come over to america and you walk into a, a convenience store with your you know foreign money and you hand it to the cashier they're going to tell you that that's fake money that's not money to me so i mean with the with the mentality of saying that bitcoin's not real money I mean, that could be said for any money in any circumstance, unless it's, you know, in a situation where both parties agree that this thing has value. And that's where Bitcoin does become money. And uh, the fact that they say Bitcoin's not backed by anything, when in reality, the only thing fiat is backed by is debt and a lot of it. Uh, Bitcoin is backed by encryption and the amount of electricity miners put into it and hold value on virgin coins when they sell to pay their giant electric bill. So um, it has more it has more backing it physically uh, than the fiat paper money that's physically in your hand. What do you think about that? I say that Bitcoin's a real currency because it's being used as a real currency. You know, by contrast, gold today is mainly value storage, not currency. So I think Bitcoin is more money than gold is. I like that. It is, though. You know, nobody uses, well... I did just learn that you can get a gold Visa card, but that's some gangster stuff. Not anybody's doing that. But nobody's using gold to go to the store to buy things and use gold as an investment vehicle. So yeah, you know, it's, it's Bitcoin's Bitcoin's better than gold. <laughs> that's the way I view it. I mean, I bought my wedding ring with Bitcoin, so it's money. I uh, I, I use Bitcoin at Dell.com, Overstock. Um, you can get your paycheck in Bitcoin nowadays. Yeah, That's funny, man. yeah, yeah. You can get your payment direct. I uh, the BitPay, BitPay Visa. You can get direct deposit from your employer right there, and then that will be your bank. And then you can use either uh, Gladera or Coinbase to buy your crypto. It's, it is money. I mean, I use it as money on a daily basis. Uh, Visa. Uh, if Visa is part of crypto in any way, I feel like that's enough justification of it being real money. You know, Visa doesn't get involved unless it's money. Right. And gold, um, the price of gold has fallen under pressure following, um, I think it was the Federal Reserve's most recent meeting where the central bank hiked rates by 25 basis points. And Bitcoin, man, it's just, remember that chart you did with that emoji with the gun? It just keeps going up, man. Yeah, it does. It just, we keep breaking all-time highs. And everyone freaks out when we go to a new low after just reaching an all-time high. It's like they don't understand that there's people making money here. If it goes up from what it used to be, and it was a lot, somebody's going to take profit because they're only in this for that reason. It's going to come back down, but then they're going to get back in it to make more profit, and it's going to go back up. And that's going to keep happening. That pattern, that that's it, we're on a mountain on the way up, and we're just going to keep hitting a couple potholes on the mountain on the way up. Um, you know what, let's wrap this up with one final uh, common misconception. You can't physically hold Bitcoin because it's not real. I can hold, this is, this is real, <laughs> this is real because I can hold it. That, that, I mean, for me, this is your public and private key right here to some bullshit fiat, you know, pyramid scheme money situation. Uh, for me, I would just say that you could hold a paper wallet with $10 worth of Bitcoin or maybe 10 millibytes or whatever, uh, you could have, you know, Bitcoin on a paper wallet or you could have this. And it is, 
it's just as much money as this is money. You can physically hold Bitcoin on a hardware wallet or in paper wallet form. But like it blows my mind when people say that you can't physically hold Bitcoin because it's not real. Ken, check it out, man. Your, your bank balance is a digital entry on a centralized ledger, okay? Every transaction on the internet is digital. Bitcoin is not stored on a central database, which is controlled by banks. You are in control of your wealth, even if you cannot touch it. You can still transfer it to someone as payment for their goods and services. So do you spot the difference? It's all about control. It's not about if it's tangible. It's just about control. I'm in control of my money, not the banks. And that's not what that's not what makes a currency. Yeah, exactly. We had um, Shane in the comments say that you know a bank account is all digital. So yeah, hit it on the spot there. Uh, I What's up, Shane? Hey, hey, Ken. Uh, I don't know if this is the platform for it, but uh, do you want to talk about your day, man? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I can, I guess, but I mean, I, I love Athena, so I don't want to put him on blast, but uh, yeah, I guess we could talk about it. Uh, we can I go mean, a couple more minutes. Base, but we always shit on our customer service, you know. It, it doesn't mean we don't love them. Yeah, but uh, they're not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> oh, I'm, hey, we love Athena Bitcoin, man, but these are the these are the interesting stories. Like, hey, no one's going to make the trek that you made today. You know, this is an individual story that you have and you alone, and it can benefit the community. If you don't want to tell it, you don't have to, but I, I think it's also kind of entertaining. All right, so um, everybody, I have my first day off in two weeks today. It was my day off, uh, my day job fixing phones and tablets. I had to work every day. My boss went on vacation. So today's my first day off, so keep that in mind for the rest of the story. Um, I had to take a trip to Philadelphia. I live in New Jersey. Um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to make a how-to video for Athena Bitcoin, uh, their ATM machine on how you can purchase Bitcoin and Litecoin with fiat. So I was going to take this, this useless piece of paper and turn it into a useful piece of paper with crypto on it. And um, when I got there, which was a 30-mile public transportation ride, uh, it took me like two hours to get to where I had to go bus uber no uber bus train l bus uber and then the same process on the way home just to get to the ATM machine and I got there I set up my camera um, I kept doing my intro probably five to ten different times because people kept opening the door to come in to buy things so by the time I actually got to the part where I was starting to use the machine I was already like 10 takes into it and been there for 30 minutes. Uh, I started using the, the ATM machine for Athena and it didn't work. It was frozen, the touch wouldn't recognize or I'd get to certain steps and it would freeze. Um, it just wasn't working. So I, I spent about a half hour trying to get it to work. Overall now at this point I was in this gas station for an hour in the middle of Northeast Philadelphia. Um, you know, sweating hot out, and I couldn't get this machine to work. I called up uh, Athena Bitcoin. They walked me through some tech support. We got it to what I thought was working. It was working. I was hitting buttons. It was making moves, but um, it stopped working as soon as I got off the phone with them. And uh, yeah, so I had to start making my travel back to Jersey, and I get on the bus. They messaged me via text message because me and Athena were tight like that. We got each other's numbers on text message. And they texted me saying they sent out a reset 
and they they rebooted the software on the ATM machine so I could make my video but I was already on my way back to New Jersey so I went four hours 60 miles and I probably spent like 40 bucks to make a video that never happened because you know buying Bitcoin can be hard sometimes see man I'm so glad that you went through that and you're not bitter on the other side I mean you're like you're such a soldier of fortune dude so I appreciate you well that stuff happens man that, I mean you know I can't be mad at Athena they they did what they could do uh, it was just the circumstances and of course of course I, I have to bring my bad luck with me all the way to Philly <laughs> it's always sunny over there man don't worry about it oh it's sunny but that that yeah that's the sun shines, but you don't want to see what it's shining on most of the time. <laughs> hey, um, for all the people that are in here, hey, go to the Bitcoin podcast and join our Slack. And uh, I guarantee you, I mean, there's something for everybody in there. You can get all your questions answered. And we also talk about, you know, serial Bruce Willis, elephants, random stuff. But we're also going to talk about crypto, and we all have a good time. There's over 200 people in there, so sign up. And, uh, you know, it's all about community. Yeah, guys, let's build a community. I have about 60 people watching live right now. Please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button if you enjoy this style of content. Uh, for any reason you dislike this, go ahead and hit the dislike button. All I ask is for you to drop a comment. Let me know how I could do better in my next show to turn that thumbs down around. Uh, don't forget to click subscribe and flick the alert bell so you get a notification. If you look in the description box below, I think we have about an hour or so left. I'm doing a one whole Litecoin giveaway. So you can click on the link below, enter to win one whole Litecoin. Uh, do not forget to go to thebitcoinpodcast.com, join the Slack, and let's build a community around the, around this camaraderie. You know, guys, like I feel like I have a really good following here, and I feel like if we could organize in that Slack, we could really help people that want you know to get into this, that have no idea where they have a safe place to come for information and. Um, you know, sometimes you get a heads up when things go awry. So it's not bad to be part of the community, especially our Slack channel. Um, anything else you wanted to cover before we get going? Yeah, and that's, you know, the Bitcoin podcast is where you're going to find not another Bitcoin podcast with Ken Bozak himself. And Ken, you're my, uh, you're my best friend on the Internet, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome, dude. Likewise, man. I'm happy, you, uh, I'm, I'm happy our relationship has grown to this point. I think it's such a great... Uh, backstory uh that's why i put it as my intro for the podcast uh that is uh for me that is uh humbling that we've become this close man so thank you for uh helping me get to where i am now i mean this is all thanks to the bitcoin podcast and uh and you guys so where i'm at today is is very much thanks to you and i'm humbled that you take your time to come here on my show and talk with my viewers and my audience about things so so thank you so much man and uh everybody have a day.